right, go. <laughs> Wait, really? Go, yes. <laughs> it's recording right now. And we're live. I'm not editing it out. Okay, you better wonderful. go. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, good Friday morning. This is our uh, finale, our wrap-up of the Encounter Series podcast. Um, I'm Laura Bullgreen, and I am here with... Jeff Steele. And Tomps. So clearly from that beginning, you can see we are missing our host extraordinaire, Steve Durr, but, you know... We love him, we miss him, and he wasn't invited to this we all, party. So. <laughs> we all tried to do our impersonation of him, but it just didn't work. Uh, not happening. It might happen on request if you see us in person someday, but not yeah. on this podcast. Nope. So anyways, um, we have been so enjoying these conversations um, over the past several weeks, talking about encounters with God. And, and since the beginning of the year, on Sunday mornings, throughout the week, we've been telling these stories of people throughout Scripture, um, telling stories from our own lives, Um talking about what it means to encounter God. And inevitably, um, even when they come with challenge or when they come with struggle, when we encounter God, uh, we walk away more whole. We walk away um, with healing. We walk away with new vision. We walk away with some kind of transformation that is uh, better for us. And this week, as we're heading into, today is Good Friday, and we're heading into Easter weekend. This is a time when we really focus on and celebrate God's very specific move through Jesus Christ to encounter us. Um, And in that move from his direction to us, um, him coming in contact with our lives meant him suffering. It meant him um, coming in contact with our brokenness, our sin, our uh, suffering humanity. And so uh, that's what we want to talk about today. So we have a scripture that we're going to start off with. Jeff Steele. Yes, I'm going to read Isaiah 53. Uh, Let's see, how far am I going to go on this? I'm just going to read till I'm done. All right. So starting in verse 4, it says, Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave." I'm always blown away that that's hundreds of years before Jesus. Right. So obviously Israel was left applying that to themselves as a downtrodden, rejected, beaten up upon people. But Jesus fulfilled that in such an uncanny, accurate way. Right. Because that's how usually how prophecy worked in the Old Testament. There was like an immediate meaning for people and they were like yeah i could really see how that applies to us but then jesus came and and all of a sudden it was like this the real deeper meaning of it was revealed and when he fulfilled that so so completely yeah yeah and and you even wonder how maybe those uh disciples uh witnessing it still missed what was going on and how you know it wasn't until afterward um that they would put all the pieces together and it'd be just this light bulb moment but um but then to just see that and sink into the fact that god had already been planning 
from centuries before, obviously we know from before the creation of the world, to enter into the brokenness that would ensue from the God's part, uh, point of view, but our brokenness. And um, to just know that he was going to roll up his sleeves and not fix things from a distance or do like he had done with creation and just speak it into existence, but he was going to enter into our mess, as you said earlier, Lolo. Um, and it made me think of a, of a story. I actually heard somebody else share this story, a guy named Peter Enns, but um, he was talking about a novel, which is his, it's a historical fiction, so it's not a true story, but I could easily see it being having played out, you know, possibly in the life of St. Patrick or somebody like him, but a historical fiction about a young monk named Aidan who grew up in Ireland uh, as a Christian and a monk. And so he had given his life in service to the Lord. You know, he had, he had been trained and learned in the ways of the Bible and all that. Uh, but he also then was selected to be um, a, the representative of the abbey to go to Byzantium. That was actually the name, Byzantine, part of the Byzantine Empire. The name of the novel was Byzantium. Um, and on his travels, encounters all sorts of things. But among them, he ends up basically getting abducted and made a slave by the Vikings. So this great pilgrimage turned into a nightmare. And um, he's dragged away to a far-off country where people speak a language he doesn't know. And he tries to do his best to serve like Jesus uh, through that time. Well, he eventually earns his freedom, and he actually even earned the friendship of the people who let him go. Uh, and he eventually did have his pilgrimage. He makes his way back to his home village. And this is decades later now. While there, the villagers see a Viking ship approaching off their shore, and they immediately start freaking out, running and hiding all of their valuable possessions, fearing the worst, that their town is going to get burned to the ground. But as Aiden heads out to the beach, he hears the familiar voice of his friend and former captor, Gunnar. And, um, and they run and they have this huge encounter out in the water. And the reason why the Vikings had come was to actually get their old friend Aiden because they wanted him to come back to their town and help them build a suitable house of worship for Aiden's God, uh, Jesus. And Aiden at this point had seen so much suffering and been through so much himself that he was having a crisis of faith. He had kind of given up uh, on God and just felt like maybe God had given up on him. So he was giving up on God. And so he's like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to serve this God who is so distance, distant and doesn't care? And Gunnar said, it's the exact opposite. It's our gods, the Norse gods, who don't, don't care. Odin would never do that. Uh, Thor would never stoop to our level, but Jesus, Jesus suffered and died on a cross as a carpenter. He's one, he's a God we can trust, and he's a God that I can see when I come home into the shores of eternity, coming out to meet me and bring my boat into shore. And just this amazingly moving moment, but the powerful description of how a suffering God, while on the surface, doesn't make sense. I think on a visceral level for all of us who feel stuck in our own suffering or see it so really around us, to know that a God would want to, our God wants to enter into that with us um, 
and help us navigate through it uh, and not just treat it as if it doesn't exist to somehow meditate our way out of it, to somehow medicate or <laughs> entertain ourselves out of it. But no, we're going to get through this and he's going to redeem it on the other side. So uh, th- that was just a really powerful story to me of what that looks like and what could look like to somebody who's maybe never even heard of a suffering God before. It makes me think of the difference between um, sympathy and empathy and the difference in like when you are experiencing deep pain and, and deep brokenness and how somebody who could be, could, could be completely well-meaning but comes and says things like, oh, I understand that's so sad, but uh, look on the bright side or, or let's do this thing and try to help you move past it or something that feels like it, it can end up feeling more crushing. It can end up feeling like something that is, um, is meant to offer condolences, but is kind of a top-down thing, someone kind of looking from a distance at your situation, that that can end up feeling uh, really painful versus empathy being someone who truly comes and sits with you, who doesn't seek to give answers, who doesn't seek to... Um, make it go away or make you feel any different, but just offers the gift of presence and offers the gift of trying to see from your perspective of trying to be there in your shoes with you. Um, and that is what can be really, it doesn't necessarily make pain go away or solve problems immediately, but it is what can be healing and restorative. And I think that's the picture that we get from Yahweh, from this God who is not simply off in the distance, up in the clouds, looking down at us and saying, wow, whoops, the world got broken. Hmm. Hope you guys can handle it. Hope you can figure it out. Call me if you need me, you know, but actively making this move to come near to us actively making this move to enter into our suffering, to take it upon his shoulders with us, to sit with us towards healing and restoration and wholeness. Yeah. And I think if any of us have ever lost a loved one and mourned their passing, we know the difference then in how when somebody has been more dismissive by trying to answer it or God had a plan or answers that ultimately don't address our hurt and pain and questions near enough versus somebody just sitting there with us and crying with us and holding us and continuing to come back, you know, a week, a month, you know, the following Christmas and they're there and they're grieving with us knowing that it still hurts. That's a whole different ball game and that's a different friend. Um, And that's, I think the picture you're talking about empathy and sympathy. Yeah, there's there's just something that's very very human about um, just suffering in general, right? And it's one of those things we can't get our heads around. And so people are always asking that you know the big question: If God is so good, why is there so much suffering in the world? And there is just there is something um, that's really innately a part of the human experience that you can't get away from that involves suffering. You know, and I mean, it's true. We see a lot of it in the world around us and it doesn't seem good and it doesn't seem fair. And you think, why would God do that? I, I remember, um, and, and I don't know, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like I would lo- like to get, just have a really good, easy answer for that and say, well, it's because of this. Oh, okay. Free will. Got it. I mean, sure. That kind of, that kind of works, but you know, um, it, it, it's, it's still hard, um, and, and can I just say it might be a great intellectual answer, right? But it does nothing for what your heart is feeling, right? right. Now. Um, and I, 
remember um so when when the the movie the passion of the christ came out right and so i remember going to see it in the movie theater it was a matinee it was an afternoon it was like all church staff yeah <laughs> it was like the first showing the only people in available. grand haven it was like oh what church are you at um all the church staffs went to to see the see the movie and i and i just remember um sitting there and and it's and it's one of those things the first time you saw that movie you remember it mm-hmm. um probably an afternoon showing wasn't the best idea i remember just being just destroyed for yeah. the rest of the day i went home and i just like couldn't even function yeah um I remember we had a Kirby salesperson co- show up and knock on the door, and my wife let them in. And I'm, like, in the basement hiding and devastated <laughs> from having just seen this movie. And I just couldn't even, like, face anybody or deal with anything. And I hear vacuuming upstairs. Like, wow. it was, it was interesting. It was a, let them in. I know. It was, a, it was a crazy, crazy afternoon. But anyway, um, I just remember sitting in that movie theater thinking, like, like why, why this? Okay, so, like, I understand. I can get my head around, um, okay, there needs to be a sacrifice for sin. You know, God chose this way that he's going to sacrifice himself, basically, on our behalf. He's going to pay the price. Like, I've been taught that my whole life. I get it. Um, you, you sinned. You're guilty. But Jesus took your guilt upon himself. He died. He paid for it. And now you get his righteousness. You, you have exchanged your sin for his righteousness. So, okay, okay, good. I can get my head around that intellectually. But why like this? And that was my main thought watching that film. Mm-hmm. Why is it, why this way? This seems so just... Gratuitously brutal. Yeah, just unnecessary, like over the top, you know? And, and I get, like, that's how the world was. Yeah. You know, you were talking about Vikings. Like, I love Viking stories. Yeah. I read all the Bernard Cornwell um, uh, books. Yeah. And um, and I I love Viking stories and I and you think about how brutal the world was yeah. and just how uncaring and just how just capricious, um, you know that that it was and I think why that way why that much, and to to see or to try and get your head around that that God Himself, knowing that this is what it was going to cost, decided that it was worth it Mm -hmm. and that he went there and he went through what he went through that Jesus did what he did on the cross, not wanting to, it wasn't, it wasn't like, I mean, he, I think you see in the gospels, he would have rather done it a different way if possible, but it wasn't possible. And so he decided, okay, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. Um, that is mind boggling to me that a relationship with God would be worth that. Um, and so when we encounter God in suffering and in pain and in loss, um, there's a different, I don't know, there's a different element to it to, to know that like, that, that God saw the pain, he saw the hurt, he saw the suffering, and not to like be cliche and God works all things together for good, you know, like, um, I, I, I mean, I believe that's true, but not, not just in a, you know, easily, you know, kind of plaster over it kind of way, but, but that, but that God is doing something and that God did something through it, even through the worst, the worst that humanity had to offer. 
the worst form of torture, death, loss, whatever, uh, that we could come up with in our depraved (laughs) minds, um, we did to Jesus. And, um, and somehow, um, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's amazing to me. I was going to just say it's worth reflecting on and I'm glad we take, we lean into this season, um, to, to slow down and just reexamine a, a familiar story, one that we've heard from childhood and we've seen, we've heard the different layers, but to just let it kind of sink in and break us again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do celebrate good Friday with a good Friday gathering. And I'm pretty sure there's still spots available if you're, wanting to sign up and hang out with us tonight. That is, if you're listening to this you're on listening Good Friday. Friday morning when it comes uh, out. Yes, in, in 2021, by the way, <laughs> in case you're listening to this in 2063. <laughs> uh, yeah, we would love for you to join us tonight if you're listening to this. And um, knowing that Sunday morning we will celebrate life and uh, resurrection together, but for tonight, uh, focusing in on Jesus meeting us in our suffering. And I just was thinking through that too, hoping that it can give us the chance to give dignity to our suffering and to others, because I think something that I hear um, more often than anything and feel tempted to say myself is to brush away our suffering sometimes and say, well, other people have it so much worse or other people are this are experiencing this. So who am I to complain? Um, And I just think that that's unhelpful and and unnecessary. And so I think um, my hope is that for all of us that we can pause to give dignity to the suffering that we are experiencing to other people in our life and to bring that to Jesus who um, suffers with us. Amen. So who's going to pray? Who's going to wrap us up? I was just going to ask. You said amen. So I was like, want to just go backwards and pray after amen. You can do an amen at the end. So you're too. asking That's, me to pray. Yeah, would you pray, Tom? Laura has the power. So she's, she <laughs> has. Steve asked us no, to make sure you pray. He, he did. did that but very then, specifically. But then we put then Laura in I, charge. <laughs> and it shifted so, the dynamics. There, there it is. Oh, I can do it. I can do it. Um, Holy Spirit, would you again open our eyes, minds, and hearts um, to the not just the truth, but the, the reality of how you are continuing to suffer with us um, and walk with us through our deepest pain, our deepest hurts, our deepest doubts. Um, and you're, <laughs> it's worth it to you. It's worth it to be there with us. And you're not rushing us. You're not giving us platitudes or easy answers, um, although we wish you would sometimes. Um, you're simply walking with us. And I do pray for those who are hurting right now that the, the God of all comfort, um, would you would send your peace. And uh, there would be, it maybe doesn't like lift the brokenhearted, but it walks along with us and gives us a sense of your presence unmistakable presence while we're walking through it. So I ask for that, and I thank you for where you've done that in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.